Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome in to Smooth Operators here on Weagle 91.1 FM, Auburn's home for student radio. We are live in the Bradley Basin Studios in the Melton Student Center. We are back once again on this Friday afternoon, gorgeous Friday, to talk about the world of Formula One. Still with me, as always, is Mr. Noah Phillips and Mr. Ben McClurking. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Loving the weather. Loving uh, everything about this Friday and the fact that we have a race weekend coming up. Well, I'm going to be honest with everybody here. NASCAR is this weekend. It, it and is I'm this very, weekend. very excited. We're going to Dega, the place where every SEC stadium can fit inside. But I'll try to refrain myself from talking about it too much because today we are, have the very important honor of previewing Singapore. But that'll be in just a little bit. Griggs? Yes, it will be in a little bit. But first, we feel like we've done this for every segment of the show. We really don't mean to, but it's really what the important news is. In the world, we are talking driver market again. Last week, me and Noah and Ben were talking about the driver market. We had our predictions for what was going to happen with Alfa Romeo. Ben's prediction it turned out to be true. They re-signed Joe Guan Yu. So, Ben, want to just bask in the glory right there for a second? Yeah, I called that one. Um, Claps around for Ben. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And my other prediction that they re-signed Sonoda actually worked out, too. He was pretty much a shoe-in, but, you know. It's pretty cool that they re-signed him. It is. So that leaves, I believe, the drive market now at three still open seats. Yes. So, so Williams, Haas, and Alpine. Yep. We're getting down there to it, boys. We're getting down to it. Soon the politics will be over and there'll be nothing left to do but race. And yeah, I never mind about never mind. that. It's Formula One. Yeah, politics always happens. They might not announce anybody until, you know, after the uh, season's over, because a lot of times they don't do that. They'll just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait, and we'll be hanging in suspense. And who knows? There could be even more contenders for a seat, the last three remaining seats, as uh, the season wraps up. So we'll we'll definitely be keeping you all updated on that. Very exciting. Yeah, we still got some big names still that are still out in the driver market. We talk about it every week, really, but still really no word on what is the next move for Mr. Schumacher. Mick, who is still currently racing with Haas, that open seat for him is still potentially there. I don't know what direction Haas is. People are saying, look, I heard from someone today that they were talking about Nico Hulkenberg. That's that what is I heard. a possibility. That's really good for them in the short term, you know. Like I said last week, he's 33. He's very experienced. A consistent point score. Never gotten a win, but has always come really close to getting those wins and was caught out by either his own mistakes or bad luck. So he, he would be a great option for them. I still believe at the end of the day they have to stay with Mick Schumacher. I don't know if Haas will actually do it, but I believe the best course of action for them is to just re-sign Mick and let him race right there at Haas. Again, that car isn't completely where it needs to be, but for what he's done in that car, it's been amazing. It it really has. I mean, Kevin's been the highest point scorer for Haas this year, but the fact that coming from a team last year where in 2019, uh, it was 2019 and we know 2020 and 2021 Haas did not score any points, so that's still pretty impressive that Mick was able to get points in the Haas. And same with Kevin when he was out of Formula One for a year and came back, got P5 in um, Bahrain. But yeah, 
I mean, this a question for y'all because I don't really know too much about it. Uh, is him not re-signing with the Ferrari Driver Academy take Haas out of the equation, or what does that entail? It doesn't necessarily take Haas out of the equation. They could re-sign him, but because he's not in the Ferrari Driver Academy, they would not. He would not be given first priority for a reserve driver role, if that makes sense. So, what it would what it would effectively do is say, look. And and it kind of closes the door for him at Ferrari because Ferrari has just re-signed Carlos Sainz. And so it's just basically saying, hey, you don't have as much of an inroad with us. Um, if you've really impressed us next season, you might have a shot with us after Carlos Sainz's contract expires. Yeah, and next year's going to be an interesting year, too, with seats opening up. I mean, you have Lewis's seats opening up. No one really knows. I mean, he's still got that drive, he says, to continue going. No one knows what that's going to mean. Um, you got, I think, um, uh, Charles is for or 2024. 2025. 2025, that's what it is. a big one. Yeah, not as big as Max's, but it's the second biggest. I don't know how long George's deal runs through. I'm a 2024? guess. 2024? They signed him in 21. I think it runs through 24. Something like that. But I'm really interested in see like, who's going to fill that Alpine seat. Because now it's coming down to it. I believe I saw something that said Pierre would be open I don't know. It was probably just some random report on the internet, but that wouldn't surprise me if Pierre wanted to go to that spot. Was it on Twitter? Yeah, probably. You that's why I can't, can't trust nothing. I know, on that's that why app. I didn't trust it. That's why I didn't say it was a true source. No, but it is true that it is a possibility. I also heard a rumor recently. This isn't directly driver related, but it kind of is because you know uh, AlphaTauri's Red Bull's second team. I've heard that Red Bull might be considering selling them. Hmm. So, ooh, that could, that'd be really good because t- a lot of car. Manufacturers, maybe that's why. Um, uh, was it Porsche that was going to be with Red Bull? Yes. So Porsche was going to take on an engine supplier deal with Red Bull and potentially AlphaTauri. However, they could also do what they did back in two thousand and nine and ten when the Red Bulls ran with um, the Renault Infinity engine, and then the AlphaTauris had a Ferrari engine when they were called Toro Rosso. So that's a possibility. Um, oh. This is kind of a tangent, but fun fact. Oh, Ben's just full of the fun facts. Fun fact, Toro Rosso, Red Bull's B team, actually won a race before Red Bull did. Who won for Toro Rosso? Um, I think it was a young Mark Webber. I'm going to have to check on that. But I do know that the team won first. Um, I'm looking it up right now, guys. Um, Who would have been there at Red Bull? That would have been... um. What year was that? Let's see. So that would have been Daniel Ricardo's time there, right? That that would have been a lot. That would have been before that. I forgot when he where he went in terms of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they finished. Uh, ben is right. Alvatore or Toro Rosso has finished twice. Uh, first twice in Formula One. Once with Pierre Gasly in twenty twenty. Oh wait, was that twenty twenty one? That was uh, 2020. That was 2020. 2020 at Monza. It was Sebastian Vettel who got that first win at the 2008 Italian Grand Prix. Ah, okay. So, yes, Alvatari, or Toro Rosso Alvatari now. So that's going to be interesting to see, especially since they have, think they have their full driver lineup for next year's set. But, I mean, the French connection is always going to assume that Pierre could potentially go there since he's ne- he, I don't think he's going to get another chance at the top team as it stands right now. And I would love to see Pierre Gasly at Alpine. I think that that team could be very, very competitive, uh, just like they are now, especially with Pierre Gasly behind the wheel. And he he's shown himself to be really fast. 
So it really has. And Pierre Gasly sitting side by side with another potential rookie would be very cool to see him kind of take somebody else under his wing instead of being a number two or a number three or a number four, depending on what season of Pierre Gasly you're watching. You think Alpine's going to get rid of Alcon? Is that what you're saying with rookie? Uh, Because I think he's still under contract. He is under contract for the next two years, but uh, you know what? Alcon's been a reliable guy. I wouldn't count on him being out. Yeah, because he's been one of the, my more surprising drivers this year. He's always been really consistent. I mean, when people talk about consistency, consistency this year, they point to George Russell mainly because he's finished, I believe, top five in every race but the one he crashed in Silverstone. Every race he finished, that's correct. But he's in such a better car. That is true. Ocon. That is true, though. But at, at the start of the year, though, it was marginally better. The Mercedes was only like maybe a tenth faster in hey, some of tenths, the races. Tenths add up. At the end of the day, since that they up. do over you know 60, 50 laps, it definitely does add up. But my my main point here is that you know at some point Haas was out qualifying Mercedes, and the Mercedes development has rapidly rapidly ramped up. And also, SMN Alcon is a race winner, mm-hmm. and people don't really talk about that as much as they should. He is he's a race winning guy. He's capable. Were the circumstances in which you won kind of freaky? Yeah, not like normal. George is still highest podium position, or he's t- it's tied now since he finished second in where was it the Netherlands? Yes, Zandvoort. Yes, he finished second there with Williams after that one lap. But oh no no no, he finished second at Spa. Oh Spa, yes. Sorry, um, I'm looking at like um, according to WTF1.com, some of their driver like the contracts are interesting with teams because they won't release the year amount. I mean George Russell's it says long term deal at Mercedes, so they don't give the specific details. I don't know why they would do that. I feel like they would have to give that information away. It's a European sport at the end of the day. They, they don't mess with <laughs> all those true. publicly known mm-hmm. contracts and stuff like that. They just they don't really care as much about the media as they do here. So the only two uh, people that I see, according to this website, it pr- looks pretty updated. The only people that are has their contract expiring in 2023 are uh, Pierre Gasly and well, Daniel Ricciardo's already gone. But yeah, Pierre Gasly and Lewis Hamilton. So I don't think Lewis. Hamilton I don't think Lewis is going is, anywhere. Lewis is going to race there until he retires. I believe he's going to race there it, until his thumbs fall off. Yeah, he's got at least three or four more years after that. I think, and after twenty twenty three, could very easily get one more contract, get more money off them watch deals, and uh, bid the bid the world of Formula One to do. Speaking of that, I got one thing to say about Lewis. He said something this week about Max winning the title so soon. It's not good for the fans when he has probably won. I'm still new to Formula One where he's probably won races well before Singapore. Yeah. One time he won a championship with five races to go. And him whining about the fans not having a good show because his battle with Max was so close last year is just really, really interesting because he wouldn't apologize to the fans for him winning a title by that much. You know, it's kind of interesting to think that you, sir, who had the most dominant five years in Formula One and a seven-time world champion apologizing to fans for a guy winning his second one by a long shot, even though there was some contention early in the season. He had to come back. They were down. He was down like 60 points, it felt like, at one point. Yeah, it was. he was two races behind, and then – Ferrari did Ferrari, and Max Verstappen was Max Verstappen. I mean, you know, Max isn't mistake-proof, I would say, but in fairness to him, 
he took advantage of Ferrari's weaknesses and got back, and then he just continued to dominate. And this season's basically over, but I'm not sorry. Uh, so you have to have this sort of stuff occasionally with motorsports, or you end up becoming like NASCAR is right now, where your whole season comes down to one race, which I'm going to attempt to not talk about NASCAR, but <laughs> just so you know, that is the dumbest idea for a motorsport ever. And Again, it's a European sport. It's not like America where we believe in having playoffs and big-time television deals for stuff like that. In Europe, they believe in crowning an actual winner based on who's the best. And Every race matters. Every race matters again. And with a system like this, it sets forth the precedent that you have to be good every single time. And occasionally this is just going to happen. And one thing I've noticed here before we go to break, this Max has been – granted, he's not had to fight anyone like he was Lewis, but in the situations where it was a little iffy – He's kind of been more smart as of this year. He's not had an incidents last year where Silverstone, even though it was Hamilton's fault, um, allegedly, allegedly his fault. Um, uh, we could say um, uh, Imola was his fault, though, right? Also debatable, but more in the context of this one, it's more his fault than it was Silverstone. I'd say both. Both were pretty gray situations. They're both racing incidents. They're both, both racing. Both guys yep. are racing each other as hard as they can, and neither of them is going to yield. So nothing. why would you? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I could draw a line on that. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Just an incident on the racetrack. Yes. But yeah, that's going to do it for our driver market talk. But when we come back, we're just talking about car stuff. So we'll be talking more about what is going on in the world of liveries and all that stuff, particularly with McLaren this weekend. we got some interesting thoughts coming up on Smooth Operators here on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into Smooth Operators, everybody. Weagle's exclusive Formula One podcast, Aaron Radio Show. You're hanging out still with Griggs and Noah. Our last segment we talked about the driver market and what's going on but now we're just talking about some random stuff that's going on this week in terms of the cars so, car stuff yes more in terms of livery and all that stuff but mainly focusing on mclaren so if the two boys who have more knowledge than me want to just go ahead and take over on that in that regard yeah. why is it purple man <laughs> why did why did they make it purple i couldn't tell you i don't know what is going on on the uh air intake areas and the side pods those little glitch things highlighted by purple and then the papaya orange and then the black it's there's just a lot going on and you know i'm a fan of simple minimalist liveries i'm a except sucker we, for the when you're 19- making the ferrari oh yeah i did i did which, make a i made a, a purple ferrari god i made a purple way. ferrari um and sent it out to you guys i think that should be the cover of our next podcast no it no it is not we yes, can't. it's it's an abomination. It really is awful. It but, is a crime. Hold on, I'm looking at this car. Oh, oh my goodness. What in the world is that? Oh, the yeah, you're looking at the McLaren. Oh my goodness. Was that what you guys were talking about? Yeah, yes. it's uh That is interesting. What? That's not even purple. It's like a pink. It, it's it's a very bright magenta. Is there a reason it's why It's a th- color that it shouldn't be. Is there a reason why Yes, that's true. Is there a reason why they're adding this? Cuz they're in Asia. Because they're in That's the whole point. That's it. Like the neon lights, like kind of like that type of thing. I guess it's like a tribute to. I have no idea. I see a picture of Lando Norris with DJ Marshmallow. So that's interesting. Well, who knows? It's Lando Norris, uh, so nothing surprised me with that. But yeah, that is 
very interesting. Like, especially they already have more like colors, I think, than like any other race team with along yeah. with the wheels, the Google Chrome the wheels. Chrome wheels. <laughs> along with the classic McLaren uh orange and blue that they did last year in Monaco, I think they should have just went with that. So that looks a whole lot better than whatever this. this is. You know, I'm a I'm a sucker for old stuff. I really love the McLaren liveries in the nineteen seventies and eighties, that simple white with the red Marlboro logos it's plastered got like all over it. Six colors. Like they have yeah, six colors that are visible is, in the car. That is not good. It's reminiscent of the Jaguars color rush jerseys from twenty eighteen. Oh God. Oh, oh this yes. is worse than NASCAR uh, when NASCAR decided to move the numbers. That was pretty. You talking, talking about the gold yes. ones for that one? Yeah, that that. I do nice like the Titans when they played against them, but yeah, the gold, Blake Bortles and the gold brown jersey. Yeah, yeah. I did like some of the color rush stuff. Though. Not that one though. That was not. It, it reminds me of that. It's like you're trying too hard, guys. Just just bring your car out, mm-hmm. and if you want to do something for Japan, like I think it'd be really cool to do a tribute to Ayrton Senna, mm. who won them world championships. You know, and do a white and red. If, or, you, if you're going to do that, though, you might as well wait into Brazil. That would make a lot more sense. Cause that that would just, make a ton of sense. That, but That's true. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. But you also had a conversation, Ben, about side pods. No side pods in McLaren? Yeah, so a new images have been leaked of the McLaren's side pods, which have a more, how should I say this, Red Bull-esque design. It looks exactly like what Red Bull has been doing this season. So previously McLaren had a flat front side pod. So there, the bottom edge and the top edge of the air intake were level. And then it sloped down towards the rear wheel in order to create some downforce on the outside of the side pod, as well as allow for um, the ground effects to take place inside of there. So those those air intakes for the side pods are for the radiators, but they also have a lot of other function. And so what Red Bull's been doing is having the leading edge of the bottom of the air intake. This is really hard to describe on air, but it's having You're doing the, a good job. <laughs> having the leading edge of the bottom of the intake on the side pod in front of the leading edge of the top of the air intake on the side pod. And so that is to create more surface area for air to travel underneath in order to generate more downforce outside of the car because these cars uh, this season generate their downforce underneath the car and inside of the car using the floor versus last year where their floors were flat and they used all wings and barge boards and whatnot. So it, it looks almost identical to the side pod design that Red Bull's been using. And some people have raised some questions about that, especially over at therace.com. So y'all check out that article. Uh, tell me what y'all think about that on Twitter. Hit me up. And um, yeah, so that's kind of all I got for car stuff other than, oh, wait, Aston Martin is going to be using their weird wingtips this race. It's street circuit. So they're going to be bringing out their pseudo... Um, what do you call it? In plates. So, yep, another weird technical thing to describe. So these cars this season have rounded edges on their rear wings. So if you trace it, it's one continuous line. Last year's cars, you you could do essentially a vertical line and then a horizontal and then a vertical line, and that's your rear wing. 
and then those verticals would extend above the surface of the wing piece. But Aston Martin has figured out a way around the rule so that it is not one continuous surface, but it has a radius edge just like Formula One prescribed. So what they did was they took a cylinder of carbon fiber, stuck a tapered inward small piece underneath it, and then attached it to the side of the rear wing. So it generates a vortex. Only downside is it makes a lot of drag, slows the car down in the straights, and that car already is very slow in the straights. They did good in practice, too, it's looking like, though. They were better than what they're usually doing. Uh, Stroll was P10, Vettel was P12, so that's wow. actually a lot better than Aston Martin has done in the past in terms of practice stuff. And then the first ooh, in the first session, Lance Stroll P8 and Sebastian Vettel P11, so maybe that is helping out a little bit for a really mid-tier uh, constructor. It is. And if you do look at the uh, top speeds of this circuit, they're pretty low. Aston Martin should be running around the same top speed as an F2 car. It's really strange, but their mid corner or mid speed corner and low speed corner speeds are actually about on par with Red Bull. It's pretty interesting. So they just can't make the car go fast in a straight line. They, they have the cornering, they just don't have the straight line speed, the horsepower, the horses in the car to take it through. They don't, yeah. ha- they don't have the horses in the back, as a, form- as a famous popular singer would say. They, they do not. So Anyways, let's get off of the old town road <laughs> and back onto the street circuit of Singapore. Ooh, that was smooth. Oh, that and, was pretty um, good. That was pretty good. Another clap for Ben. Guys, stop it. You're making me blush. Um, So... Yeah, so I agree with what Griggs is saying. It's very insightful, actually, that that weird, weird upgrade has improved the car quite a bit. You you won't see anybody doing it next year, though. The FIA already banned it. They were quick was, to say, you know, you can't do that. Yeah, that's kind of quick. But they won't ban it for this season, though, because that was the rule. You can develop it however much you want. If the FIA disagrees with it, they can ban it for the next season. And Aston Martin needs all the help they can get. Yeah, they do. But, yeah, let's look into the constructor standings the last little bit we have before we go to break, since this technically is car-related, I'd say, right? It's constructors. They build cars, don't they? Fair you enough. You can either do this or talk about the Cars franchise. We can save that for another episode. I, I got some great <laughs> thoughts on that one. But uh, currently still, Red Bull is in first place, 545 points. They're ahead of Ferrari by 139 points. So... And Ferrari was at 406. So I've not I've only seen stuff about how Max can clinch this weekend. I imagine Red Bull would be able to clinch by what? Coda? If that they're up 139 points currently. Yeah, I could see them doing that. Yeah, that should be correct. Since the max um the max a team can win in one race. Hold on. Trying to think of the one of the Red Bull one twos that they got. Um You have to have a Red Bull one you have to have not a Red Bull specifically, but you have to have a one two. First and second place in the sprint, first place in the qualifying, and the fastest lap. Let me see this one. I'm looking at the uh, uh, that is if there is a sprint. Emilio Romano Grand Prix stats because I knew Red Bull finished one two there. Uh, 26 points for Max, who finished first with the fastest lap, and Checo in second with 18. So the max points a team can get in one weekend non-sprint is 44. So honestly, it's just coming based at- off of finishing position. Yes, not so, just the sprint. Aside from fastest lap. Aside from fastest lap, it can get up to 43 points. Perfect. So 44, and they're – hold on, I'm not a world-renowned educated person, so 
Let me divide 139 by 44. So if Red Bull, it would take three full races basically to get up to the level of Red Bull as it is currently for Ferrari. So it's coming down to the wire. If it's if it's zero races for Red Bull, with yes, with points. no points, exactly correct. And Max would still be quite far ahead in the drivers. Yes, that is. It's looking. The writing's really on the wall, almost, as some would say. Yeah, but the fat lady hasn't sung yet. That is correct. It is still going, and your Noah's prancing horse has still got a chance. We, hey, that's all I need, baby. You telling me there's a chance? We, we will get it done somehow. We will quote. do anything in our po- in our power besides have a good strategy. But you know, let's look at some of the closer races before we go to break. Uh, the battle for fourth place in constructors right now between Alpine and McLaren. Currently, Alpine is ahead 125 to 107 over McLaren. Just they're under, fighting over drivers too. They are. That is correct. So with uh, one, two, three, four, five, six races left, that's going to be an interesting one to keep a hold of, especially uh, since Ricardo, I think, scored points in the last race. It's been a while since that race, right? I think he scored points. He did score points. Yes, he did. So anything is still possible. Um, Fernando's had some problems finishing races recently. I do remember that. Yeah, some of that may have something to do with one of his old buddies from McLaren back in the day, Lewis Hamilton. Hmm. We've talked about this is probably the most about Lewis Hamilton we've talked all our all our five episodes we've done so far. He still deserves to be talked about as the goat, though. He does. He he's definitely up there still, and we can talk more about that later. If it's he's got uh, what is it? What did I just say? Five or six races left, including this one. We have six. He's got six races. Six left la- races left to continue his, I believe, forming the one record of most consecutive years of the race win. He still yes. has the podium one, but and if I had to take a random shot in the dark, looking inside my head, I say it's going to be Brazil. He, do- I mean, he wasn't. Uh, this is the first time he'd be back there uh, racing. I believe since he got what he get honorary citizen in Brazil, something like that. Might correct me if I'm wrong. Was that last year? I think it was this year. I mean, I know you're not too much on social media, Ben, but I think that was this year. I did not see that. Might have been the year beforehand. Uh, As I have a minute here to rant real quick, (laughs) why are we doing so many sprint races as Formula One? What happened to good old tradition? You show up, practice on Friday, qualify on Saturday, race on Sunday, and that determines who does what. Qualifying determines how you start and racing uh, requires uh, how you finish it's people like to watch racing Mm -hmm. yes and it's what we've been said last week it's the whole reason why they're holding las vegas on saturday money is king and the raiders do bring in a lot of money but so does formula one oh before we go to break lewis was named an honorary citizen of brazil after a vote in brazil's national congress and it was passed in uh i believe june of this year so congrats to lewis on being an honorary citizen in brazil and he's also knighted now Sir Lewis. But no Sir longer Lewis. Sir Lewis. He prefers not to be called Sir Lewis. I can tell because Crofty doesn't call him that on the radio. But that's going to do it for our talk on just whatever we want to really in Formula 1, mainly talking about the cars and liveries. When we come back, it's what you guys all tuned in for. It's our start of our Singapore preview. The race list- preview. Yes, it is. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We are back on Weagle 91.1 FM uh, for Smooth Operators. I'm here with Griggs and Ben, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to preview this race on Sunday. Ben just broke something in the studio. I'm not. I'm, I'm kidding about that. But, uh, folks, we are going to preview this track first and foremost of Singapore. 
the street circuit. There we go. We're finally back. It's are we been, on, Noah? Yes, y'all are on. I just, on. Did, I just didn't want y'all to interfere with my stuff. I'm, so I'll just I'm, make sure that. I like doing the segment you even had last week where we didn't really have too much to talk about in race terms. But now it's been over, what, two, three weeks since we've had a race? Three it's weeks September thanks to 11th. Russia getting in a war. Way to go, guys. Yeah, that was not that was not ideal. But, yeah, we're back in Singapore now. So... I, this is the first time the track has returned since 2019. Um, the first race was had in 2008, and Sebastian Vettel. And this is the race he's dominated the most, so he's back where he's had the most dominance, and he's the last race winner we've had, too. Yeah, but, you know, he's in a new car this year. I don't know if that's going to happen again. You're telling me this year's Aston Martin doesn't equate to the 2019 Ferrari? Actually. I wouldn't say so, no. <laughs> But that was the last year. Was that the last race Ferrari won before uh, Charles won in twenty yes. twenty? Yes, it was correct. Yes. Huh. Oh yeah. So Charles uh, Charles did race with uh, Sebastian for one year, correct? No. Wait. Yes. I thought he was. Yes. That, yeah, that so was the year was, I started watching Formula One. Yeah, because it was it was uh, um, Charles replaced Kimi Raikkonen, who was racing racing with Seb. Holy cow! Racing Raikkonen. Singapore, a lot of ends. Words. Words are hard. Words are hard. Um, so the Marina Bay Street Circuit, first head we already said in 2008, there will be 61 laps on this race. The circuit length is about 5.063 kilometers. That's around 3.1-ish miles in terms of U.S. Um, distance. Uh, that's pretty good. You did that quickly. I'm just, I just thought 5K, and that's why I translated it to. Good job. Oh, I got you. Thank you. Uh, 308.706 kilometers, and the lap record for this track is held by Mr. Kevin Magnuson, who achieved this in a Haas. Wow. Wow. 141.905. They're currently lapping 143 in practice. We'll see what qualifying pace does for that. Yes, if we want to look at the qualifying real quick, let's. I'm going to pull that up. Um, it was, I saw that Lewis won practice one, uh, no, not practice one. Oh, wait, why is it pulling practice up three. race results for me? I don't know. The Formula One website is being weird again, folks. No, that's just your Mac. Maybe that. Yeah, whatever. But this is an interesting one coming into this one. The first time they returned here in 2019. It's a street circuit that has suited more of the, the Red Bull really has won on the street circuit mostly this year, if I remember correctly. In terms of what has been a street circuit and what has not been, Sergio Perez is one in Monaco comes to mind. Yes, that the, the street circuit. Yes, that's the one that comes. Thank you, Ben, for that one. Um, but there's a lot of corners on this track, 23 to be in fact, and a lot that are uh, 90 de- or 45 degree. Right? No, no, no 90 it's, it's yeah, 90. Yeah, very, very sharp. Let me count one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-ish. So around 12-ish, 90-degree turns for this track. Which is about half. Yeah, about half of the turns. And and for what's been talked about this year in terms of Ferrari and Red Bull strengths, every single race that's been talked about, Ferrari strengths have been on the corners where Red Bull has been faster in the straights. And this is a race where, granted, there are three DRS zones, but it's not too far. They're very short. Very, Even very the run-up to the speed trap is not uh, that long. I think I think teams that are going to struggle here are going to be Williams. I think Red Bull's not going to be super in trouble because they're Red Bull and they have mm-hmm. the best car. 
or the most balanced car. I'm not going to say the best, but the most balanced car. Um, so Red Bull's out of that struggle area, but I think Alfa Romeo is going to have a hard time. Um, those cars that are more straight line oriented will definitely be on the back foot a little bit development wise. Yep. So I have the free practice stats up. Lewis Hamilton was the fastest in free practice one going around a 143 as Ben said. Verstappen was, I believe, eight one hundredths of a second back of that. So not too far behind. And then in practice two, it was Carlos Sainz who lapped a 142.587. Charles was two tenths of a second behind that. And George was in third, three tenths back. So this is going to be an interesting one. I, I assume this is going to be t- more towards the strength of Ferrari as long as they don't Ferrari. And they need this one bad. It's all, it's the stats where it's been Charles, all you got to do is to say in this race is just you have to get you have to get into the points. That's basically what they're saying. You have to find a way to get into the points, whether don't be pushing it too much because if you're out of the points and Max were to win, that would basically wrap up our chances for the year, really. Well, it's always been Charles's weakness is consistency. Mm-hmm. And really, you're not even as much as you're talking to Charles about that. You're calling your strategist over and going, please, please don't mess this up for us. Please just do something simple. You ain't got to win this race by strategy. He, he will take care of the stuff on the track. Just give us enough that we can stay in this race and not uh, throw it away on one pit stop for no reason. As a Ferrari fan, real quick, what do you think about Matteo Bonato? Do you, how do you, like, do you want him to get? What does he have to do really to just get the confidence of people going forward? Because this was supposed to be near the start of the year. Everyone thought this was Ferraris to run away with, even though they're of their past history. But still, what after this collapse of epic proportions, really? You know, he's got a plan, and you know we're going to stick by that. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, he's a smart guy. He seems to be pretty good at his job you know everything that goes on but the car has been really fast and that's been the thing that I've been most uh, impressed with Uh, the way that car was slow just a few years ago and how fast he's got it in this short time is something that I personally love to see and I know that strategy is a big deal in Formula One but that can be so that should be something that is easily fixed Mm mm-hmm but yeah, I mean, this has been Ferrari's best year since twenty what eighteen twenty nineteen twenty nineteen. Yes, they could finish second in that or third. Third, but just narrowly. Okay. Um, there was a little. There was a good battle going on there for a little bit between Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton. One thing I will say, and I'm going to quote a newly famous YouTuber, Rocket Powered Mohawk, on this. Oh boy, be careful with what you say. Ferrari needs to get rid of the Italians. He did make a point on that in that video. This is an excellent point, and I've been thinking about this for a while. He said it. I've been thinking it for a long time, right? So Ferrari was at their best when they were led by a French guy. All of their engineers were German or British, and their drivers were German or British. And then I think their chief strategist Or Brazilian. We'll take some Brazilian drivers. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, who was the, uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, guy, because I thought our most our best guy ever was Italian. Um, no, your best guy ever was Ross Braun. We're talking about British. the most recent success where Ferraris had. We're not talking like oh. back in the day. We're talking about like I was about to say. No, Schumacher. our best guy. <laughs> it was Schumacher and what he said Raikkonen. Uh, no, it would have been Felipe Massa or. Oh yeah, it was a uh, Brazilian and German. You're right. I remember yeah. what he said. 
Yeah. So, but he, I thought about bringing that point up, and he's got a a point ish, maybe. I mean, granted, Ferrari is the when you think Italian brands, you think Ferrari, and then the fashion brands. So, I mean, it gets you get that national pride, but at the same time, where you need to win no matter what. I mean, look at uh, Red Bull; it's an Austrian company. It's led by almost all. I mean, most Formula One teams are led by all British people, minus I think Alpine, Haas, and Ferrari, and maybe Alfa Romeo. Yeah, probably. So so, I mean, Mercedes isn't even really a German team. They're based in Woking. Ferrari, so will, they're based in Britain. But going back to the point here, Ferrari will take care of itself. You know, we've always had a plan. We're going to continue By to sell imploding. cars. But yeah, we're going to continue to sell cars to make this race team happen, and we'll be okay. You know, every now and again, you get some strategists in that make bad decisions, but. Everybody makes bad decisions. Ain't that right, Griggs? Yeah, I believe in the red car. The red car will always be out there in Formula One, I believe. Unless Ben makes it turn into a purple livery. If he does, I will find him. Ferraris weren't always red. There were times when they were blue. And and Formula One. Back when colors didn't exist on TVs. And in that note, we're going to kick it to break a little early so we have more time to talk about our race preview coming up. So we're going to give our predictions who we think is going to get pole position in our podiums. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back to the Smooth Operators podcast. I am Ben McClurkin along with my co-host Noah Phillips and Griggs Blankenberg. We are bringing you the news, the previews, and the race reviews of Formula One. Welcome back, people. Switch. All right, so we're going to get right into it with our predictions starting off with mr phillips how do you feel about ferrari's chances what are your thoughts and concerns hey we always got a chance you know uh, i think we'll be very fast this um this weekend the only problem will of course be does our strategy keep hold and we'll be able to uh still uh when it comes down to the last lap will we still be ahead because i think we will do a good job in qualifying, and I think Singapore is a very weird track to kind of pass on. I think you'll agree with me on that one, Ben. But oh, well, you have to absolutely send it if you want to get a pass. Yeah, exactly. And I think we'll. I think we're very good at defending uh, over at the Red Brand, and I think we can very easily win this race as long as we don't mess it up in the pits. Yeah, I mean, you just can't mess up really the strategy. I mean, that's been their thing for most of the year, besides when the engines messed up. Because I can only remember like. One or two times where it's been Charles' mistake uh, when he spun out in what? Uh, it was Imola? Yes. He spun out in Imola and then he crashed in, I believe, at Paul Ricard, if I'm correct. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sorry if I was one, wrong. One of those race so it's mainly just been the strategy in that regard. Then when it caught on fire in Austria. That was Carlos Sainz, though. I'm just talking about Ferrari. Right. I was, oh, yeah, Ferrari. Non, non-driver related yes. catastrophes have been. More prevalent, but neither driver has been free of mistakes. That is correct. We're all not free of mistakes in that regard. But Ferrari seems to be having a little bit more mistakes in that regard. But Yeah, well, I'm not a professional racing driver, so I can say that I have never made a mistake on a motor racing circuit. I've made some mistakes on the Formula 1 video game. but I've not made any mistakes on the Formula 1 uh, video game. What's uh, your lap time at Singapore, then? Uh, Singapore's hard to do on a controller. I three don't know minutes. Y'all knew that. Yeah, it is about three minutes. But yeah, <laughs> so this weekend is interesting. Where Ferrari this year has been the kings of qualifying in that regard. Red Bull's really taken advantage of it on Sunday, t- 
taking most of the race wins this year from being Verstappen and then one from Perez and Monaco. But this is going to be an interesting one. It's going to be early in the morning here for our listeners who are in the state of Alabama or in the central time zone. It's going to be at, I believe, yes. Seven, right? It's going to be at seven, I think. Yes, 7 a.m. Central Time here in the Central Time Zone in Alabama, elsewhere earlier. But then qualifying is at 8 8 a.m. on Saturday Central Time. And then free practice 3 is tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. I know for myself I'm not getting up that early to watch that. So I will be recording all of this. Ben will be recording it. Go back and watch it after the fact because I like my sleep. I love Formula One and I love my sleep. But – you don't want to watch it live, Ben. You gotta just, watch it live. You gotta take it in. You gotta look on Twitter. Here's the and deal. See what the news is. Here's Ben's the never deal. On Twitter. I don't have social Ben's media. Ben's not on Twitter too much. I'm never. Even though I do tag him on every Formula One related tweet for this podcast. I appreciate that. Yes. I uh, I really rarely get on Twitter. I turn off my notifications on race day and qualifying day, so that's not spoiled for me. No, that's a good. That's a good. That's a smart idea. I always tell people don't get don't get the bird app if you don't have to because. It's an interesting place, but let's just go ahead and get into the race be, predictions. Let's start off with Noah. Let's talk Saturday, really. What can you see being the pole position, and maybe if you want to add in there, the front row for this Singapore Grand Prix? I think Leclerc will get a pole position, and I think that's a very easily thing that could happen. I also do believe we are going to see a new lap record hmm. uh, this year at Singapore. Has there, been, has there been a lap record any track besides uh, Miami? No. No, not this year, but just because of the fact that the cars are newer and uh, the last lap uh, record was set in 2018. Yeah, uh, correct. That. Kevin Magnuson, 141.905, 2018. Yes, I the think. The 2019 cars were slower. Yeah, and I think they could very easily, that, that can easily be beaten this year mm-hmm. with these new cars. And you have anyone you think in the front row as well? Um. I think Max will get second. I think that's so always safe. A, that's always a safe bet. The, the safe bet, <laughs> Mr. McClurkin. Um, let's see. I think. Yeah, I think Verstappen's going to get P one. Um, starting alongside him is my dark horse, George Russell. Hmm. Um, P three will be. I'm going to say. P3 will be Sergio Perez. No, no, no. P3 will be Carlos Sainz. P4 will be Charles Leclerc. P5 will be Sergio Perez. Hmm. That's a good one. For me, I'm going to go Lewis Hamilton. I just think he got first in free practice one. He's yet to receive a pole position yet this year. I just think it's due because when we talk goats, he's one of the greatest of all time. And the fact that he's not gotten a pole position yet this year, granted the Mercedes car has not been as great as it has been in year pa- years past, but it's just an interesting. I just think he can do it. He's got got it in him where he can win or get a pole position in that race. Now, I granted, I don't think he's going to win, but I think he'll be able to get pole position. And starting in P two, I'm gonna go Charles. I think Charles has been he's been the most consistent driver in qualifying yet this year. And so I think that he is going to be able to do that. Um, but, yeah, and then what Bim saying going on behind that, um, I got Max P3. I'm going to go George P4, uh, Carlos P5, and Sergio Perez P6. So that is what my uh, uh, predictions are for qualifying. Now let's get to the race weekend 
Let's start off with Noah. Let's go. Let's go. You start at P3 and then work your way up the podium. P3, I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton. Hmm. P2, going Max Verstappen. And P1, barring anything terrible happening in the pits, Charles Leclerc. Finally getting a win for Ferrari, and which they haven't had in what feels like forever, even though I know they won at the beginning of the season. They won at the beginning of the season, and they had the um, they had the Red Bull ring in Austria. You'll always have that. Don't don't forget that, Noah. I will, I will, I will always have the Red Bull ring in Austria. You always have that. And then Bahrain, you've also had Australia. Um, you also had um, uh, Silverstone, so that's good. I will always have the 80s, and always. that's what matters. Mm-hmm. You'll always have the 80s. That's what matters. Well, let's kick it back now. Uh, we have Ben, so let's Ben. Let's hear your predictions for this race, starting in P3 all the way up the podium to P1. Okay, so race prediction-wise, I've got Max Verstappen, P1, Charles Leclerc, P2, and Lewis Hamilton, P3. Hmm. That's the same. Uh, Noah had, uh, or, uh, Hamilton had P3 as well. Wow. So that was a good one. Now, Great minds thing alike. Mm-hmm. But he did say he has Charles winning, so. Debatable. That is debatable. I mean. I also I'm, said barring disaster in the pits. That's the thing you got to remember. Barring disaster in the pits. That reminds me of another Ferrari incident. Felipe Massa in 2008, I believe, drove off with a fuel filler and took one of his mechanics with him. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. I remember seeing clips of that one. But for me, for P3, I'm going this is a tough one to think about, but for P3, I'm going to go George Russell. Mr. Consistency this year. I think that's a safe bet. He's gotten P2. He got P2 in the Netherlands, and I think he can still be able to compete on that level with that. Um, P2. Uh, the birthday boy today, Mr. Max Verstappen. I think he's going to finish in P2. Granted, he's been the best driver this year, without question, and that'll be proven when he wins the Drivers' Championship at some point later on this year. But then P1, we talked about it a lot. There's a lot of corners there, and the car we've talked about mainly all year doing well at the corners is Ferrari. So for that reason, barring the examples Noah was talking about, I have Charles Leclerc picking up the win in Singapore. Just the fact that they've uh, beaten Red Bull mainly on these corners, especially in qualifying. I think we're going to get a good sense of what's going on in qualifying in that regards since Red Bull didn't finish first in either of the free practice sessions. But that is what I'm going with for my predictions for that. So Max will not wrap up the Drivers' Championship this weekend. According to Ben, he said, Ben, you said Charles Leclerc is going to finish second? I did say so. Okay, so we all do not believe that the World Drivers' Championship will be uh, completed by this weekend. I think after qualifying, Red Bull is going to come out feeling kind of cocky and not even be worried if they get P2 or P3. You think if you're Christian Horner at this point, you're saying, all right, guys, we have a comfortable margin this is not the race where we have to go all out and get more uh, back-of-the-grid penalties. Yeah, at this point, it's ours to lose for Christian Horner and Red Bull. I think you kind of you don't rest on your laurels, of course, because development never stops. Winning has to continue in order for them to be completely secure. But at the same time, you can say, hey, there's less pressure on us now. There's less of a fight for the title and we can just go out there and do our own thing and take the fight to the other guys. And then the last thing, we'll do this real quick prediction-wise. So 
if you believe Max is going to win the world championship, by which race do you think it is? I believe we talked about this last week, but let's go ahead and re say what we think. I'm going to say Suzuka. Okay. That's next race after this one in Japan. Noah? Um, I'll say Coda. Coda. Do it in America. I'm thinking Coda as well. Just the fact that, well, the, the situation where it's now is uh, Charles has to finish ninth and Max has to win, or Charles has to finish ninth or below her to win. Or I don't see that happening in either the next couple races. I think he's going to still add to it where he can do that, but I believe Coda is where it's going to happen. But that is going to do it for this episode of Smooth Operators. But don't go anywhere just yet. We have the special announcement of what's going on next week. Uh, we are doing a going to be doing a Tuesday night show, actually. But then we're going to be uploading it to podcast later because we'll have fall break. But we want to give you that race preview of uh, Suzuka and then the race recap from Singapore. So we'll be hanging out with you guys late at night. You can Very make much sure looking forward to it. You guys can check us out on our socials at the beginning of the show on the podcast. But other than that, for Ben, uh, ben McClurkin, Noah Phillips... I'm Griggs Blankenberg. Thank you for tuning in. This has been Smooth Operators on Weagle 9.1 FM, War Eagle. That's all we have today for Smooth Operators, Weagle's exclusive F1 show. In case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM.